Testing, 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 testing. Seems like it's working now. I hear an echo. Testing, 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 testing. John 11. Well, let me see if I read. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Martha, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. You know, can I just say one thing? Sometimes, I'm not recording this right, sometimes... I don't like the ESV. I do not like to read the ESV out loud because it's, it's terrible to read out loud. With the NIV, at least you can read it. But... I can talk louder. Okay. try to not have this go over 30 minutes but it was 37 when I read it yesterday but I cut I cut some off did he well this shouldn't go more than 30 I mean I don't have any I, I should be okay 30 to 35 maximum How's that? Yeah, I understand. Okay, I'll try not to roam very much. There really is not much roaming in here. Well, good morning, Calvary La Junta. It's so good to be here this morning. Even though we're not together, it's still kind of cool to be able to do this online together. Today we're going to be looking at a great passage, one of those favorite passages in the Bible, John chapter 11, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. This is actually a kind of a continuation of chapter 10. As we're going to see, this is, this is chapter 10 in John in action. It's Jesus as the good shepherd 
which we've talked about really over the last several weeks, and how he puts it into practice. One of the things that's kind of fun about John is that when we get to chapter 11 is we notice that we take a big pivot. We move from a lot of informational things and Jesus healing people to where now we're getting to the point where Jesus is starting to head to Jerusalem for the cross, where he is going to face his own crucifixion, and we read about his resurrection. In John chapter 11 is where that pivot really happens, because now we're getting to where we're within three weeks to a month of that moment when Jesus goes to the cross himself. And so this is a great passage. I love preaching narrative stories. But there is one thing that's kind of tough about these things, is that especially a chapter like the, the raising of Lazarus, is that most people have heard this many times. And so it's hard to always come up with something new. But I tell you, when I was reading through this passage, I came up with some great thoughts that the Lord put there. And I just asked that you would hang in with me to the end and, and let's learn some new things together. What do you say? Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, for your message today. We're excited to read about Lazarus, Lord, and what you have to say to us about that. Lord, we thank you that you are our good shepherd, and we just ask that you would speak through me this morning, Lord, and that uh, this message would open our hearts and our minds to know you better, and uh, that we would be able to grow in our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is a long passage, and I don't want to take up all of our time today. So we're going to break it up into little pieces. But I want to really concentrate on the end of this passage in verses 38 through 44. So what we're going to be looking at today is John 11, 1 through 44. But I'm going to break it up into little chunks. So let's start out, and we'll read starting in verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 19. Starting in verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then, after he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. 
So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. That's a lot, I realize that. But there's some things here that we're going to look at that's kind of the setup to the scene that we're going to get to in verses 38 through 44. The first thing that we see is that Lazarus is a very dear friend of Jesus. And actually, when we talk about, and it talks about Mary being the one who anointed him with the oil in her hair, and we read about that as well as Lazarus being his friend in, in chapter 12. So when we get to that, we'll read more about them. But we can see that, that Jesus loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha very much. That he was familiar with who Mary and Martha were. In fact, we can read more about them in an encounter that they had with Jesus. And we find that in Luke 10, 38-42. So if you want to take some time to read that, I encourage you to do so. Bethany was about a two-day journey from where Jesus was. Or from where, uh, yes, from where Jesus was which is where Lazarus was. So, but Jesus decided to stay two days longer after hearing his friend was ill. Now, we ask ourselves, why would Jesus do that? Because Jesus knew the outcome. And sometimes it seems like Jesus doesn't really care, or sometimes that his agenda is different than ours, or he isn't listening to us, even when we plead with him. But waiting and delaying his answer is part of the answer. He's wanting to use the issue or this problem to shed more glory on himself and his Father. He knew that there was a greater glory to come. So after two days, Jesus tells his disciples that it's time to go to where Lazarus is. It's time to head to Judea. To, to, excuse me, Judea. He tells them Lazarus is asleep, which, of course, he means that he's dead, but his disciples, they don't quite get it. You know, they're like us. They don't always listen to him and understand exactly what he's telling them. So Jesus had to tell them plainly that Lazarus is dead. And the fact that Lazarus is dead is a huge point as we go forward. Not just in the fact that he resurrects him, but there's some other things about it that are really exciting about what that means. So this first section is filled with a lot of facts and it leaves us with a lot of questions about Jesus' perceived lack of urgency. Why didn't he move quickly to keep his friend that he supposedly loved from having to suffer until he died? In fact, we know from the previous passage in John 4, a previous passage in John 4, that when he healed the official's son, Jesus didn't even have to be present to heal him. He could heal from a distance. So Jesus could have just healed him right then and there. But he chose not to. Why do you think? Because there was a greater glory that we will see at the end of our story. So as we move to this next part of the narrative, we see that by the time Jesus got there to where Lazarus was, that he had been dead four days. Now four days is actually important. In the Jewish tradition, they believe that a person's spirit hovered over a dead body for three days, and as the body began to decay, the spirit would flee the body. So after the fourth day, Lazarus was truly dead. 
without any hope of being resurrected. So in the Jewish tradition, Lazarus was completely dead. Now, we do hear of Jesus in other passages raising people from the dead, but this is different because in this case, Lazarus has been dead for four days. His body had begun to decay. So he was truly dead. So this means that Jesus truly is, as we're going to see, the Lord over life and death, that he really is the Christ. He really is God. Last week we talked about Jesus' identity, and this is really going to nail home what we learned last week in chapter 10 about Jesus' identity as God. So let's start to read in verse 20 and take on to the next section of this great passage that we're looking at. Starting in verse 20, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. So we get into this, this is a great encounter passage right here between two ladies who truly love Jesus and, lo- and Jesus truly loved them. So when Martha hears that Jesus is finally on his way, she runs up to meet him. And her greeting to Jesus shows that she's very familiar with him. She knows who he is, like we had talked about earlier with Luke 10, you can read about that, that she had spent time with Jesus, that she had heard him teach and she knew that he was special. But it was almost as if Martha was annoyed at Jesus, that she was upset that he'd seemed like he was dilly-dallying and not having any urgency to come and, and help her brother. You know, when he, she said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Well, let's look at this again. Let's try and look at it from Martha's perspective. We know Martha had been with Jesus and heard him teach, and she had probably been there and seen him heal some people, and and done some miraculous things. So she knew that Jesus could have healed her brother, but now it had been four days. And as far as she knew, the spirit of Lazarus had left, and the body had begun to decay. That he was really dead, and there was no hope that he was going to be brought back to life. She believed what she knew. But let's keep in mind that, for her perspective, Jesus hadn't been to the cross yet, and he had not been resurrected. That was still three weeks away. So she believed what she knew, but she had no idea what was yet to come. Now, of course, Jesus knew this. So when he 
then tells Martha that her brother Lazarus will rise again. Martha answers, yes, I I know that he will rise again in the last day. Kind of like, man, Jesus, everyone knows that there's a resurrection in the last day and everyone's going to rise again. But what she did not understand was that Jesus was telling her, no, Martha, your brother will rise now. Even though he is dead, he's going to rise now, not in the last days. Well, Jesus responds with one of the most important statements, followed by a great question that all of us have to deal with, all of us, believer or unbeliever, in our lives. Verse 25 and 26, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha's answer in verse 27 is so amazing. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. I mean, you think about that with what she knew of Jesus. What an answer she came up with. Even though she couldn't possibly have understood everything that Jesus had just told her, she trusted that what Jesus said was true. It's easy for us to judge Martha and think that she didn't have enough faith, that she was kind of blowing off what Jesus was saying, that Lazarus was going to rise again. But let's give her some leeway. She didn't know really what that meant. She couldn't have. Jesus hadn't been to the cross. He himself hadn't been raised again yet. So she believed what she knew. But what's really important is that she understood who Jesus was. She knew his true identity. She said that he is the Christ. He is God. Again, last week, Pastor Matt talked about Jesus being God as his identity and the fact that Jesus said so. And now Martha is saying so. Remember that she doesn't have the benefit of the full Bible like we do. So we can look at ourselves and we can say, yes, we have the whole Bible. We can see what Martha said and we can know who Jesus is. We know his identity. This is an important part of the scriptures that sometimes gets overlooked is Martha's reaction. The fact that she had great faith and that she believed and that she confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. And we look back on verses 25 and 26 and and we see what Jesus said, that he is the resurrection and the life. What was it that he was really telling Martha? And he was telling her a couple of very important things, things we need to understand too. Jesus was telling Martha that he is the I am, that he is God, that he is the source of life. Jesus is showing her his identity as the Lord over life and death. And again, this is hugely important. It's a great attribute of Jesus' identity that will fall in line with the statement that only he can take up and lay down his life later. You know, I... When I read this passage, I put myself there, and I wonder what that must have been like for Martha. Because I would imagine that having Jesus look me right in the eye and tell me that, I am the res- or tell me that he is the resurrection and the life would be pretty powerful. How would we react to that? He's looking right at her, right in the eye, and saying, I am the resurrection and the life. 
I am the giver of life. Your brother will rise again. He's standing right in front of you. It is an amazing thing to think. Do we believe that Jesus is the great I am? That he alone is the source of life? And this is a question that we all have to come to grips with. Every one of us today has to come to grips with that. So how would you answer that? This is the kind of belief that Martha had that Jesus would like us to have. Do we believe that he is the giver of life? No one gets through life without some dings and dents. But we're about to see how Jesus is affected by the times of difficulty that the ones he loves have to endure. And let us not forget that Jesus is telling Martha that, that he is the Christ, that even though we, even though those of us who believe in him, even though we might die physically, believing in him means that we will not die spiritually. So after Martha answered Jesus and she called to her sister Mary and told her that Jesus is here. And Mary ran to Jesus and fell at his feet, crying much like she did when we read in chapter 12 when she anointed him. Mary had a deep reverence for Jesus. And if you read in that passage in, the, in Luke 10, you would see that she was the one who sat at Jesus' feet while he was teaching. She loved Jesus with all of her heart. And yet she asked the same question. She says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But again, Jesus was showing that by not healing him back then, that there was a greater glory, a greater glory to go. Now as we move forward in the story, we're going to see Jesus in a way that many of us might not be familiar with. It might be even a little bit uncomfortable. So let's start to read in John 11, verses 33 through 37. We're starting to get close to the penultimate moment here in this passage. Starting in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And so the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? We see in John 33 here that Jesus became deeply moved. And what this actually means is, this word actually means that he became troubled. He became indignant and angry. The Greek word literally means to snort like an angry horse. And I practiced that, trying to do that for you, to show you what that looked like. But when I did it, I, I sounded more like a dying dog or a sick cow. So I will spare you that. But Jesus was upset. Why was he so upset? What was he being indignant about? Was it the fact that Mary and Martha didn't understand that he, as the giver of life, the great I am, was there to raise their brother from the dead? Remember now that Lazarus has been dead four days. So as far as they knew, there was no way that he could be raised 
from the dead. There's no way. He was really, really dead. Or that they're showing of a lack of faith, or did he allow his human side to become angry over the fact that his friend Lazarus had to die, that sin had entered into the world and caused death to someone whom he loved, and that his death had caused everyone so much pain? Well, there's truth in both of those interpretations, I believe. Jesus wants us to trust him and live for him and allow him to lead. It grieves him when we don't. In fact, verse 35 tells us that he got to a point where he wept. And that doesn't mean like he cried like we would in a movie. No, he, he had a chest heaving. His eyes were full of tears. He was literally weeping and crying. Noted theologian and, and pastor John Piper says that there's four possible reasons for Jesus weeping. And the first one is that compassion for the suffering of Lazarus' death had caused him to weep. The second one is that sin was in the world and caused death to be a reality of life. And that grieved him. Because remember, this was not how the, the world was designed to be. The third one is that Jesus was just a few short weeks from his own death and resurrection. And in the distress of what he was going to face in the separation of his father was troubling him. In the fourth one, John Piper says that, that this would cause the chain of events to begin that would lead to his death on the cross. That he was going to have to suffer and take all the sins of the world on himself. It is a suffering that none of us can fathom and thankfully, none of us will ever have to face. It's a fate that only Jesus himself could endure. Well, as we read in that section, that some of those recognize the love that he had, and others scoff, saying that if he really loved Lazarus, he would not have let him die. And they were about to witness the most amazing showing of God's love and power yet. Let's read this last section here, verses 38 through 44. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there would be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus, lifting up his eyes, said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the man who had died came out. His hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Again, we read in verses 38 through 39 that Jesus became moved deeply. And he commanded that the stone be moved away. But Martha again reveals that even though she had great faith, she didn't quite understand exactly what Jesus had told her back on the road. 
because she reminds him that he's been dead four days and now decay had set in and there was going to be a great odor of death if they would have rolled away the stone. But in verse 40, Jesus rebukes Martha and he says, didn't we just have this conversation back on the road? Did I not tell you that your brother was going to rise again, that you would see the glory of God? And sometimes we're the same way. We know what we read in the Bible and we'd like to believe it. But sometimes when we don't get what we want right away, it is hard for us to see the greater glory that was to come. And we fall short and we begin to rely on the things that bring us comfort. Whatever the activity might be, it could be watching TV, it could be overeating, it could be drinking, spending money. Some people these days smoke weed. Some of us get mad and we swear. It's anything that we do that we don't trust Jesus with the outcome. We have to learn to handle it in his timing and not our own. How he must get frustrated with us sometimes, just like he did Martha. But it didn't stop, it did not stop him from accomplishing the will of his father, who entrusted Jesus, as we have seen over and over in the Gospel of John. And in verses 41 and 42, we see that they roll away the stone. And Jesus gave a magnificent prayer for the benefit of those who were there. And also for us who read this passage. Jesus and the Father are one, so he didn't say this prayer for the benefit of his Father. He wanted everyone who was there to be able to understand exactly what he was about to do and who he was going to do it for. And then with a booming voice, he said, Lazarus, come out. Would you have not wanted to be there? What would that have been like to be there, to witness that, to watch Lazarus walk out of that tomb? Isn't it great that God put this in the Bible so that we could read it? Sometimes it's just wonderful, the Word of God, that even though we can't be there, we can, we can be there by reading the story. Imagine what was going through Mary and Martha's mind right now. Everything that Jesus had said had come true. Her brother was alive again. That Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He does understand. He does have the power over sin and death. And she sees that the greater glory was a dead man rising by the commanding voice of his God. But what does this really mean to us today? How does this help us to know who we are in God and who God is? Let's review. Lazarus was dead four days. He could not move. He could not breathe. He could not open his eyes. And he was wrapped in grave clothes, given up for the end. But only because Jesus called him could Lazarus respond. Only Jesus could raise a dead person to life. And Jesus called him by name. And we just finished chapter 10 where Jesus is the good shepherd. And he said his sheep know his voice and he calls them by name. His sheep know him. It is significant that Jesus called Lazarus by name. Or if he hadn't, and he just said come forth, that all of his sheep that were dead would have been risen. But he called Lazarus by name. And Lazarus knew 
Jesus' voice. And brothers and sisters, as it says in Ephesians 2.1, that and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, meaning us as believers, as followers of Jesus, and like Lazarus, a dead person cannot respond to anything. They are dead. We are dead in our sins. You can kick a corpse, you can pinch it, you can hit it, you can do anything you want to do to it, but it will not respond, even if you call it by its name. A corpse has no identity. It's just a corpse. But as we see in this passage, only the good shepherd can call his sheep to himself by name and have them respond. Even when they are dead in their sins, lifeless lumps of useless flesh. Ephesians 2, 4-6 through says, But God, rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him, and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you see the correlation here? Christian, we were dead like Lazarus. But the good shepherd Jesus, who laid down his life for the sheep, calls us by name, and raises us up from the spiritual death we were in because of our sins. Like Lazarus, we stand alive in the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Listen to me. Believe this. Your old self is dead. And when you were raised into a new self, made alive in Christ. So do not miss the significance of the raising of Lazarus in your life. But it doesn't end there. There are still six incredible words Jesus says at the end of verse 44. And those words are, Unbind him and let him go. These are six words that I want you to remember today as you sit at home and talk about them together. Hear this about these six words. Let's remember that Jesus was among the Jews when he raised Lazarus. And Jesus is the author of the law which the Jews followed, because remember, we had not had the Easter event yet. Jesus had not been raised from the dead. He hadn't been to the cross. They were still under the law. And the law states in, in Numbers 19.11 that if a Jew touches a dead person, they become ceremonially unclean for seven days and must be removed from the camp. And Jesus just told the Jews to go to Lazarus and remove the grave clothes. Lazarus had to be alive because Jesus would never send the Jews to touch a dead man and make them unclean on purpose. That's remarkable in and of itself, but there's even more. These six words for us 
tells us that when Christ calls you and raises you up into a new creation, all of your sins are washed clean. You are no longer unclean. You are no longer dead. You have an identity as one of His sheep. Ephesians 4, 22-24 says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in the true righteousness and holiness. You are no longer bound by the grave clothes, Christian. You are free. Hear that. John 8, 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So let me ask you, as we close this morning, where are you right now? Are you one of Jesus' sheep? Does Jesus know your name? If Jesus called you, would you respond? I know that for some of you today that you would, that that holds true. But I also know that for some of us today, some of you out there, it isn't true. You're still dead in your trespasses. You wouldn't respond to Jesus' voice because you're stubborn and you don't want to. I'm telling you, you're a dead person. You're a corpse. You're still dead in your trespasses. Can you see from this passage how much Jesus would love to have you hear his voice and come out of your tomb and have the death cloth taken off of you and you would be free? I can't imagine why anyone would ever want to turn down that kind of an invitation. No one would want to remain dead in their sins. You have the good shepherd who gave his life for you, who can raise you from your death in your sins, wipe everything clean that you have done in your life, and give you a chance to start over. I pray this morning that you take that opportunity to do that. And Christian, I leave you with this. Remember that you are free. You are not free to continue sinning, no. As Romans 6 says, let that never be. But you are free from your past. You are free from your sins. There is nothing that holds you back. The grave clothes are off. The good shepherd knows your name. Live like that is the truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, for your word. And I thank you for the passage that talks about the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Lord, I pray, God, that we would live as free people. Lord, that we would respond to your voice to raise us from the dead, to remove our sins, Lord, and give us a chance to start over, to know you more and to love you forever. Father God, we just 
ask these things and your blessing upon them. In Jesus' name, amen.